When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First of all, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville Network. We're continuing our 2021 Louisville football opponent previews today. Uh, We'll be looking at the uh, Week 9 opponent for the Cards, North Carolina State. To talk about the 2021 season and the matchup with Louisville, we're joined by the expert, Corey Smith, who covers NC State for Pack Pride of 247 Sports. We're glad to have you on from the Pink Seats. How are you, man? Doing wonderful. How are you? I am hanging in there, adjusting uh, to life with a newborn. But hey, man, football is right around the corner. I I will have no complaints. And if I did, I know you wouldn't really want to listen to them. So let's (laughs) jump right in, talk some football. Uh, NC State was one of the biggest surprises in the ACC last season, at least from our standpoint here. You guys may have thought a little bit differently about that. Uh, Obviously going seven and three in the conference and eight and four overall. The season ended in a little bit of a disappointing fashion with a loss to UK, which I hate that for you, man. Welcome to the club. Louisville uh, seems to be doing a lot of that lately. Uh, but after all of that, how would you grade the offseason in the pro- from the program and uh, Dave Doran? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think it could have gone any better, honestly. I mean, you know, they get everybody back in terms of, of health and things like that. You know, last season, I think a lot of people, if you asked me before the season, I thought there should be high expectations. You know, this team had a chance to win seven, eight games. If you would ask me after the week four game or week five game uh, where they lose Devin Leary for the entire season or the entire rest of the season, I probably would have said "Eh, six wins is going to be a stretch. Uh, But they found a way. They ended up winning eight games in the regular season before they got to that bowl game. Uh, And, you know, in that bowl game, Ali McNeil sat out, uh, who is a fourth round pick uh, to the uh, Detroit Lions. And then they also had uh, two linebackers, two of the the key linebackers, Peyton Wilson and Drake Thomas, two of their guys, both on the outside, uh, had to sit out due to surgery. Uh, So both of them are healed up. Both of them came back. You get a couple, you know, super seniors that that were really productive last season, Emeka Mezzi, and then uh, Daniel Joseph, Emeka Mezzi being a wide receiver, Daniel Joseph being the defensive end for NC State that led the team in sacks. Uh, Mezzi led the team in receptions and receiving yards last year. Uh, And, you know, you get those two guys back. Really, the only guys that you lose were Kerry Angeline, who was a tight end for NC State, uh, last year, their leader, you know, for the last couple of years in terms of receptions for tight end. Uh, and then you lose Ali McNeil that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you get everybody back. Uh, and then you also, they also added uh, some key transfers, a kid named Cyrus Fagan, uh, safety out of, out of Florida State. Uh, then they added 
uh, Corey Joseph or Corey Joseph, Corey Durden, uh, a defensive end or defensive tackle uh, is what he played at Florida State. Uh, he comes in and everything we've heard out of camp out of those two is that they've really been impressive. Uh, Derek Pitts at the cornerback position, he has a chance to be a starter going into this year, uh, even though they return all their starters from uh, from the cornerback position last year. So, uh, you know, those those types of things that they've done in this offseason to be able to add to, you know, the success that they had last season, I think has a lot of people really excited in Raleigh about the NC State team. So just to kind of piggyback off of that, and you, you, you kind of answered this in a roundabout way, but more precisely, what do you say is the biggest storyline of the offseason for NC State? Is it the super seniors? Is it getting Devin Leary healthy, returning all the skill position players and, you know, the big names? What is it that kind of stood out as the biggest storyline this offseason? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest storyline was really the health of all the players that are coming back. You know, I, I mentioned Peyton Wilson and Drake Thomas both getting offseason surgery. There was it was a little bit of concern, like, are they going to be ready for summer workouts? Are they going to be ready to, to go once fall camp gets started? Everything that we've heard so far, they've been two of the more impressive players uh, in fall camp. Uh, Devin Leary, there was concern, you know, how, how good is his mobility going to be after uh, at the lower body injury? I believe, I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was the ankle. Uh, but yeah, he had, uh, you know, very serious injury that, that cost him the rest of the season. So you know, where they're going to be concerns there. He looked good in the spring game. He's looked good so far. Uh, they get all those guys back. And, you know, Chris Ingram is another guy that uh, at the cornerback position, he was their best, he was their best defensive back back in the 2019 season to start the year, led the team in interceptions. Granted, it was only two at that point, uh, five games into the season, but, you know, they get him back and, and everything we've heard out of camp so far is that he's been really impressive too. So, uh, you, the, the health of the team, I think, is the, the big thing. You know, obviously, you want to knock on wood because uh, you never know what could right. happen. There's, right. there's still a couple weeks left of fall camp before you get to an actual game. But uh, that's, you know, that's kind of where things stand. And I think that's the biggest storyline was, you know, how healthy would this team be going into the season with all the returning starters? And everything we've heard so far is that, you know, they're, they're on track to, to have all those guys back and, and have them at full go for the start of the season. Yeah, Dave Doran is one of the more tenured coaches in the ACC right now. A guy who's been there for, for several years. Um, and, you know, the ACC is in a spot, at least on the uh, Atlantic side, where it's Clemson and everybody else. You've got NC State, Louisville, kind of in those same spots, along with Florida State, who obviously has dipped off compared to what they've been, you know, historically in the ACC. Um, in your opinion, is Dave Doran the guy that is capable of getting NC State to the top of the Atlantic? I mean, I know Clemson is more vulnerable than they've ever been this year. Um, is he is he capable of, capable of coaching this team up to potentially winning an ACC title? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the biggest thing that you've got to do is at some point, I mean, and this this goes for everybody in the ACC Atlantic. I mean, somebody's got to knock off Clemson. Uh, you know, I mean, you guys know this from, from watching the last several years. It's like you can do all that you want in the ACC Atlantic, but if you don't beat Clemson, you're really not going to have a shot. And if somebody else doesn't beat Clemson, you're really not going to have a shot. Uh, you know, they've, they've came really, really close to knocking on that door uh, back in 2017 and 2018, but – you know, ultimately lost the games to Clemson, and, and that's what ended up doing them in. Uh, you know, State had a chance to do it back in 2017 and 2018. They lost, you know, they, they had hit bumps in the road uh, one season against, or both seasons against Wake Forest, and that was, you know, two of the more disappointing losses for NC State in that season too. So, yeah, do I think he's capable of doing it? Yes, but you this is one of those seasons where if you're going to do it, if you're going to make that run, yes, they have – some really difficult cross-conference games in UNC and Miami. 
but if you're going to do it, you're expected to be the, the potentially number two team in the conference. If anybody's going to beat Clemson this year, it needs to be you do it and then and try to get yourself into that position. Uh, and it happens to be the first game that they play in ACC uh, play this season, week four against Clemson at home. Uh, if you're ever going to catch them on an off year, this might be the time to do it uh, and, and try to get yourself in that mix. I know obviously a lot of people still expect Clemson to make the college football playoff. And, you know, they're, again, it's one of the situations where, you know, you're not going to believe it until you see it happen. But if state is able to figure out a way to do that, yeah, they, they have a, a very good shot of doing it, you know, this year as well. All right. So let's talk about 2021. You've, you've kind of laid out what the off season looks like the overall kind of state of the program with Dave Doran as the head coach. Um, obviously picked to finish second in the ACC preseason polls. The only other team I believe to get a vote for first place, which is, you know, funny because it, it's just very rare. You see that happen with Clemson being so dominant. Uh, yeah. So what are the expectations for NC state entering 2021? Is this a win the ACC title or bust? Like where, where are we sitting right now? I mean, I think most people are realistic NC state fans, you know, look, obviously every, every fan base in the ACC wants to be able to win the ACC title. You know, you want to be able to do it. But I think most NC State fans are realistic. And looking at this, you know, most of the talk around NC State this offseason has been, man, like an eight and four season is going to be tough for this team because of the because of the, the teams that they play. I mean, Louisville being one of those potential surprise teams after having a down year, uh, Boston College being one of those potential surprise teams after having a good year last year under their first year head coach. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, Wake Forest is always a difficult team. Uh then they also, like I mentioned before, they play two cross-division rivals or two cross-division games that happen to be two of the best in that division. I mean, Miami yeah. and UNC are neck and neck to, Man. to win that. Yeah, so, yeah. like, you couldn't have asked. I mean, they always play UNC, but UNC just happens to, you know, have their, you know, probably – you know, they're the most hyped season that they've had. I think this is the first time they've been ranked inside the uh, top 10 in the preseason since 1997, which was the last time that Matt Brown was at UNC. Uh, so, look, I, UNC hasn't proved it either to this point. I mean, they've gone – they've averaged seven and a half wins over the last uh, two years under Matt Brown, but uh, they have a lot of hype and expectations going into this year. So, you couldn't have asked for a more difficult cross-division uh, duo of games, and you've got to play Clemson at home. And you know, one of their non-conference matchups happens to be Mississippi State. Yeah. We don't know what we're going to see from Mississippi State, but it's the second week of the season. It's on the road at Mississippi State with all the cowbells in Starkville. So, you know, getting to getting to eight wins is going to be a difficult ask. You cannot hit one of those bumps in the road. Uh, and 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 lose one of those games that you're you could you're expected to you know win some of those games. Uh, so if you lose a game like like Louisville, like Wake Forest, like Boston College, uh, that that could end up you know kind of turning this from a, a potential you know nine and three, ten and two season to you know a seven and five or six and six. The, the offense last season uh, was pretty good. I mean, you look at the numbers, they finished 48th in scoring offense, 74th total offense in the top uh, 40 in passing offense. Uh, the, the outlier there is the rushing offense finishing, you know, outside of the top 100. But uh, by all accounts, everyone is back this season. A lot of firepower returning. You get a healthy Devin Leary as your quarterback. I would assume that he is the guy going into the season now that Bailey Hawkman has transferred. Uh, how good can the offense be in 2021? 
I mean, this offense can be as good as they want to be. That's the that's the thing. They've got a they've got all those weapons back. Uh, the only thing they lose again, I say, Carrie Angeline is one player they lose. They lost Joe Scolthorpe uh, on the offensive line. That's a hell of a name for an offensive line. <laughs> yeah, well, they I bring tell in, you. Yeah, and they bring in a kid named Chandler Zavala, uh, who is a D two All American. So, uh, and he's a kid that, that I think has been playing like three years of organized football. Uh, and and was named a D2 All-American. He played as, as a senior in high school uh, and then came into NC State or came into uh, Fairmont State and added 60 pounds, became wow. a 300-pound offensive guard. Uh, so they're, they're expecting to kind of plug him in along the right side. Uh, so, you know, the big thing about this offense now at this point, I think the chemistry, uh, having a guy like Devin Leary back, the big thing that they add with having him as the quarterback now at this point is they have a, a player with better accuracy. They have a player with a better arm. And, you know, even with the leg injury last year, I would say still pretty good mobility. He's able to roll around in the pocket. You're not going to see him. He's not going to surprise you and, and try to run a ton or anything like that. But he can he can run the RPO uh, aspect of the offense. He can be able to scramble, scramble out of the pocket and get – uh, to the place where he needs to get to make throws. Uh, so I expect to see this offense be able to open up more uh, with him being the quarterback, being able to make more throws downfield. Uh, Emeka Emezi went from a guy that was averaging like just over 11 yards per catch as a sophomore uh, or as a, as a junior uh, two years ago to a guy that was averaging almost 16 yards per catch last year because of what Tim Beck's offense did uh, for his game. So uh, if Tim Beck is able to open things up a little bit more this season, I think you could see an even better offense going into this year. I remember last season just briefly uh, hearing early in the season about Devin Leary and and kind of tuning into NC State and getting to see them very on early on in the season. Um, and he looked like the guy when he was out there on the field. I mean, you, you saw him have such a strong command of the offense. Uh, obviously, he goes down with the injury. Bailey Hawkman, who is a former Florida State transfer, comes in, and he plays pretty well. I mean, for a guy who's transferred on now to play at, I believe, Middle Tennessee, um, no disrespect for Middle Tennessee, but uh, for the passing offense to still be a top 40 passing offense with a, essentially a backup quarterback in there, obviously going to give you a lot of hope. Um, now Leary is the full-time starter. Uh, where does he need to improve the most this season, uh, and what are the expectations for him? I mean, is he a guy that we can mention with the Sam Howells and DJ uh, Ugovales and the, the Malik Cunninghams and the Eric Kings, or is, is he just you know kind of the guy to the next guy? Yeah, I mean, everybody that you talk to at NC State believes so. I mean – we asked Peyton Wilson about it at the ACC kickoff, the you know their media days, and he straight up told us like, "Look, <laughs> Devin Leary is the best quarterback in the country. Just nobody's seen it yet. So I'm not I'm not ready to say you know he's the best quarterback in the country. I'm not ready to take that leap yet. But I mean, everybody within this team has faith that he's going to be you know a great quarterback at at this level uh, once he's able to put in a full season and able to do his thing. You know, one thing I want to point out. Uh, you know, the stats that he has, it's interesting because he's played, I believe it's 10 or 11 games to this point in his career, and he has never once faced a non-ACC opponent. Every single game that he's had, because he finished the, tw the 2019 season, the last five starts, and he played in one game against Florida State and played a little bit against Boston College before he got the starting role. Uh, and then last year, obviously played in four games, three that he started, and all of them were against ACC opponents because the only non-conference opponent they played last year was Liberty, and he was out before that. So he's going to get a chance to actually get 
a little bit of conditioning uh, and, and, you know, try to figure out his cadence, things like that going into this season. Uh, once he plays some non-conference opponents that aren't, you know, aren't in the top tier of the ACC going into those. So uh, I think the big expectation for him, the biggest thing that he needs to improve on is, you know, again, he has command of the offense, but being more consistent. There was some there was some throws that he missed in that Virginia game. Uh, there was some throws that he missed in that Duke game before, uh, you know, we got to uh, before he got to the injury. But I will say this. I mean, on some of the touchdown drives that he put together, he was the guy. I mean, he was, you know, making crisp passes. Uh, he worked on his delivery before that 2020 season. So as long as he keeps up with that, you know, the speed of his delivery, uh, the way he delivers the ball, things like that. Uh, that to me, I think if he can continue on those things and have a better command of this offense, cause he didn't, he only had one off season with Tim Beck before he got to that point. And that offense, I mean, that, that off season happened to be uh, during COVID. So they, they weren't able to really do a whole lot all the way up until fall camp. Uh, so I think the expectation for him is stay healthy, continue on with the things that you were doing well in 2020, uh, but get a little bit more consistent in terms of, you know, being able to command the offense, getting that cadence and, and having some rhythm in that offense. If your offseason has been anything uh, like ours here in Louisville covering the Cardinals, the, the big narrative has been turnovers. I, I can't tell you how much I've talked about turnovers this season. And just looking at the numbers, it looks like that was a, a bugaboo for the Wolfpack last season. I saw Bailey Hawkman threw 11 picks. He threw four more others um, across the quarterback room and then had a couple of fumbles. Uh, so how big of a narrative are turnovers entering the season this year? Yeah, it's it hasn't been as big as in the past. 2019 was just a terrible season in terms of turnovers. They actually implemented, I know this is kind of, you know, a cliche thing and everybody thinks it's silly all the way up until their team gets one. Uh, but NC State implemented the turnover bone last season, or I think they called it the takeaway bone. They didn't call it the turnover bone. Uh, and, you know, that once they implemented that, it seemed like you know, for some reason, uh, the defensive players were more eager to be able to do those types of things. They were more eager to, you know, they wanted to have that on the sidelines and, and be able to, you know, show out, I guess, in some way. Uh, and we saw that improve down the stretch last season. Again, with the fact that you have so much experience coming back on that defense, the thing that we've heard so much about this offseason has been the chemistry for those guys because they all know where each one's going to be. Uh, you know, there was there was some opportunities last year. A guy in Jakeen Harris dropped quite a few interceptions last year that he could have held on to. Uh, they bring in Cyrus Fagan again, uh, the FSU transfer uh, that they're hoping can. He just had an interception this past weekend, actually, uh, in the the scrimmage that they had. So uh, the hope is that uh, those guys will be able to improve uh, on the defensive side. And, you know, again, like you said, Bailey Hockman had quite a few of those interceptions for NC State last year and lost some to fumbles. Uh, so the hope is that uh, with Devin Leary, he only had, if I remember correctly, I think he had four interceptions last season or two interceptions mm -hmm. last season, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, and and those, uh, so it wasn't it wasn't nearly as much as as what you had under Bailey Hockman. Yeah, and you kind of talked about the chemistry of the offense and the the weapons that are at his disposal this season. And quite frankly, you know, I'm not an NC State expert by any means, but just looking at what returns could be the best overall uh, group of weapons outside of maybe Clemson and, uh, you know, North Carolina. I mean, it's a really impressive group of players. Uh, so for our audience who isn't familiar, since Louisville didn't get to play North Carolina State last year with that um, truncated schedule, who are the guys that stand out at the skill positions on offense and what do they bring to the table? Yeah, I mean, the big one that, that a lot of people needed to know is Zonovan Knight. 
or, or Bam Knight, as he's known uh, <laughs> within the program. Uh, he's a guy that uh, was named All-ACC uh, preseason this year. I believe he was the first running back named preseason All-ACC, uh, and he's been a big face of this program. He's led the team in, in rushing the last two years. Uh, he dealt with some injuries last year, but still was able to uh, go for over 1,000 total yards. Uh, he's also one of their return guys. Ricky Person is behind him. Ricky Person was the number two running back in the country, according to 24-7 Sports, back in 2018. He's dealt with some injuries, but we talked to him last week. He said it's the healthiest he's ever been uh, since he got to NC State. So the expectation is for him to be able to come in and play. Uh, so that, you know, that one-two combo there at running back. And then, you know, they get four of their top five receivers from last year back uh, with Emeka Emezi as their leading receiver last year. Uh, you know, he's had a little bit of injuries this offseason, but everything we've been told is that he should be ready to go for the start of the season. Uh, and then uh, behind him, Devin Carter on the opposite side. They're two big body receivers. They don't have really breakaway speed, but they, they're they really powerful and able to take the ball away from uh, defensive backs. And then on the inside, uh, you have Thayer Thomas, who was also named uh, All-ACC, mostly for, uh, his, for his specialist skills and for the, uh, I believe he was named for, uh, you know, kind of all around player more so um, or named to the second team in a lot of different places. Uh, and then uh, along with that, you've also got a guy in Porter Rooks too, that was fourth in receptions last year as a true freshman. Uh, and the expectation is for him to be able to kind of have a breakout season this year. He weirdly enough did not have a touchdown caught last year. He had one called back against uh, UVA that was like a, like a 30 something yard bomb that, he caught and it looked like it was bobbled as he went to the ground. Uh, so he has a chance to be a breakout player this year for NC State as well. Before we talk about the defense, man, I, I've got to just ask where Dave Doran is finding these guys with these incredible names. You're talking about Thayer Thomas, Zonovan Knight. Uh, I can't quite remember the first one you mentioned, but I mean, this is incredible. The names that you guys get to just you get to see out there on the field. I mean, it's uh, definitely a lot of fun to, to look out from our end here. Um, Talking about the defense, not great in 2020, uh, but they did enough to offset the turnovers from the offense and, and be able to win football games, which is all that matters. Um, in 2021, what is their, what's their ceiling? Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, uh, one of the big things that they did in the offseason was adding to all three of those units, really, you know, with the exception of linebackers, they brought in two young linebackers uh, that have a chance to be really productive if they're, you know, kind of as the sixth linebacker this year. Uh, but you know, some of the issues were health last year. Tayshawn Smith was a guy that people expected to be a big player. Chris Ingram, people thought would be back by next, by last year. Uh, neither one of them really played a big part in the cornerback unit. Uh, so they bring in Dariq Pitts, another interesting name, uh, a guy that came over. He played uh, at West Virginia when Tony Gibson, the defensive coordinator, was there. Uh, so he comes back and is playing in a system that he knows very well. Everything we've heard is that he's been a standout in spring, summer, and fall so far. Uh, so I expect to see him play a big part. I think he was just, I think he was just rated as like the number three fastest player on NC State's team uh, earlier this summer. Uh, so he's so he's a guy that you expect to have some serious speed. And everything we've heard is really good coverage skills too. Uh, but then along the defensive line, they lose Aline McNeil, uh, but they add guys like C.J. Clark, Davin Van, Joshua Jackson. Uh, so you have a three a three headed monster there in the middle of the defense. And then again, Corey Durden, another guy that came in uh, along that defensive line. He's six foot five, over three hundred pounds. Everything that we've heard so far is that he has been 
like one of like one of the most dominant players uh, in all of fall camp for NC State. So uh, the expectations for him are really, really high. He led the country coming back for the 2020 season by pro football focus uh, for the most quarterback hurries for a defensive tackle in that 2019 season. Uh, he w- he opted out of last season, ended up transferring out of the Florida State program, which a lot of a lot of players did this past season. Uh, and he comes in NC State and is completely fresh. Everything that we've heard is that he's going to be, uh, you know, another big standout. And as I mentioned, Cyrus Fagan. So the one of the issues for NC State's defense, what I'm getting to here is uh, <laughs> they lost a lot of guys due to injuries. So they brought in even more depth pieces to add to that talent. Uh, so the hope is that you, you know, you don't have any more injuries that, you know, obviously you're going to have some, but there's competitive depth and there's, there's a lot of guys that are behind those, those star players to really push them, but they're also ready if there's any injuries to be able to step up and, and have experience in all of that as well. And you, you briefly touched on, you know, a couple of the names, but I do want to expand into the defense a little bit because um, as long as Louisville has been in the ACC, NC state has produced um, numerous pass rushing specialists to the NFL. I mean, more than I can even sit here, sit here and name off the top of my head. Um, outside of, you mentioned Payson, Peyton Wilson, who uh, was a first team um, selection in the preseason rankings, but who else um, in terms of a pass rush do Louisville fans need to be wary of? Yeah, well, the big guy to know is Isaiah Moore right there in the middle of the defense. He plays middle linebacker. Uh, he is he's actually going into uh, weirdly enough, his fourth year as a starter now at this point uh, as a, I believe, still a redshirt junior because of the way COVID stuff worked out. Uh, so he's actually entering his fourth year as a starter. Uh, last year, uh, by the numbers, uh, the most tackles in the country in terms of returning uh, defensive players, uh, he had he had 27 last year, which was the most in the country in terms of returning players uh, at or behind the line of scrimmage. So uh, he's a guy that that has been able to get in the backfield, whether it's running backs or quarterbacks. Uh, and then, you know, as I mentioned, Peyton Wilson is a guy he was right behind him. So those two actually uh, returning uh, for <laughs> for this coming up season, uh, he was uh, I believe Isaiah Moore was at 27 and Peyton Wilson was at 25 in terms of tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage. And nobody had more in terms of returning players coming to 2021. Uh, and then another guy to know, I mentioned him earlier, Daniel Joseph is an interesting name because uh, he came over from Penn State last year, uh, had never started a single game at Penn State, came to NC State and led the team in sacks last year uh, with eight starts. Uh, I believe he played in 11 games total last year out of the 12 they played. Uh, and then so he comes back. He was just drafted by the Canadian Football League because he's from Canada. Uh, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of different guys to know along this defensive line. But the last one that I'll point out, uh, is the guy in Savion Jackson. I mentioned Corey Durden earlier. I would put him up there as well. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of sacks, but he puts a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. Uh, but Savion Jackson is another guy to know. He was uh, previously a top 100 player back in that 2019 class, if I remember correctly. Him and C.J. Clark came in together. They'll be uh, potential starters for this team going into the year. Uh, but Savion Jackson at a defensive end spot, uh, he's put on a lot of weight, but he's also added a lot of speed uh, going into the season and and their expectation is for him to just you know go through the roof this year uh, so him along with Corey Durden and Daniel Joseph in that that defensive end rotation is going to be uh, something to watch this year 
All right, let's talk about Halloween Eve, October 30th, Louisville, NC State. What's the biggest storyline for that game from the NC State perspective, just against Louisville? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough to say at this point because we'll really have to see where both of their seasons are going uh, by that point because it is so far into the year. But, yeah, for, you know, for, for NC State, the biggest storyline is going to be, you know, where do they stand at that point? What do they need to do? Uh, in terms of where they're trying to go in the ACC, in terms of what they're trying to get to it, uh, you know, uh, when the season gets here. But, you know, it's going to be stopping Malik Cunningham because if there's one area where NC State has struggled the last few years, it's been against mobile quarterbacks. Uh, they were able to, you know, have success against uh, Malik Willis last year uh, out of uh, Liberty, who's now being looked at as a potential first-round pick. Uh, they they limited De'Aaron King, but then they gave up really big uh, passing plays to him. So, uh, the big point of that, that, you know, the big thing that they're going to need to focus on at that point is is limiting, uh, you know, any type of rushing game from from Louisville and forcing them to pass the ball. Uh, and we'll see where we'll see where Louisville stands at that point in terms of being able to pass the ball, because, you know, it was, it was really up and down last season, to say the very least. And, and they lose some guys, too. So uh, the hope is that for NC State, you're able to you know be in a good point in the ACC uh, going into that game and, and trying to, uh, you know, kind of clamp things down and, and try to figure out a way to, to continue on and get towards that, you know, nine, 10 win season. All right. Last question here in regards to Louisville and North Carolina state. I do want to talk about ACC expansion and all that fun stuff here in a second, mm -hmm. but uh, after dropping two straight to NC state uh, a few years back, the cards rebounded in 2019, they obviously didn't play last season because of the COVID year. Um, this may sound like a silly question. We're week nine, so we're probably uh, 10, 11 weeks out from this point. But uh, when you look at that game and the schedule, consider the last couple of years where NC State could be, where Louisville could be. Um, who do you believe needs that game more? Is that a game that if NC State loses, it's like, okay, we just pick it up and keep moving? Or um, is that a situation where they're going to desperately need to keep that train running to be able to contend for that ACC title? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because it is right there in the middle of, you know, a, a, a winnable stretch for NC State. I'll put it that way. I'm not going to say that, you know, anything is a, is a surefire win, but, uh, you know, they their first three games in the ACC are going to be against Clemson, Boston College, and then Miami. Uh, they get a break in between uh, Louisiana Tech and Boston College before they go on the road. But that'll be their first uh, ACC game back at home since Clemson, which will be September 25th. So it'll be almost a month. Uh, since they've been home against an ACC opponent. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, that comes off of a Boston College, comes off of a Miami game. Those are two teams that are expected to be pretty good in the ACC this year. And Louisville is just kind of, you know, just outwardly kind of seen as this unknown. Like, hey, they could be really good if they return to that 2019 form. Like, was last year a fluke? Are they able to get back on back on track? So, uh, you know, outwardly, that's that's kind of one of those games that that is kind of looked up as looked as a toss up. Uh, they play a lot of these, they play a lot of these games, you know, late in the season, they go the next week to Florida state. Then they go the next week to wake forest, then come home against Syracuse. Uh, so all those teams could be improved this year. Uh, you just, you don't know where things stand this early on in the season, but I would say it's probably a game that both teams at that point in the year are going to need uh, because Louisville is, you know, nothing is guaranteed this year for Louisville and nothing is really guaranteed for NC state either. So uh, for both of those teams, if you're going to, if you're going to kind of put yourself in the driver's seat as, you know, either a contender in the ACC Atlantic or, you know, a contender for that number two spot, uh, I think that's going to be a crucial game for both teams 
because what is it? Louisville has the they have BC the week before, uh, and then then Clemson at home the ver- the very next week. So uh, if they don't win that Louisville, if they don't win that game against NC State, you know, there's a very good chance they could be looking at you know a three game, four game losing streak. Uh, if, if, if Boston College is as good as people have advertised and, and if Clemson is <laughs> is the Clemson that we've seen in years past. All right, let's talk a little bit about the ACC. It's been an interesting summer, not just for the, for the conference, but for the entire college football as a whole due to the uh, movement of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. I know, obviously, all eyes are on the Big 12 and what they're going to do, but I, I do think there's this sort of added pressure on the ACC to make a move to kind of compete with the SEC. Um, talk about you know adding Notre, Notre Dame. That's obviously a, a pipe dream, like something they really want to have happen. Um, there's been talk about West Virginia, maybe Cincinnati. What is your thoughts on like what the ACC as a conference needs to do next? I know there's been talk of the scheduling alliances with the Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12. Uh, Where do you kind of stand on what you think the ACC needs to do? Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, (laughs) to be quite honest with you, I mean, it's it's just it's a difficult call right now for for the ACC as a whole because they got into this, you know, this TV rights contract. Uh, I believe it stretches, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 2036. Uh, before really anything can be changed as far as the ACC, you know, and any team that needs to get that wants to get out of it. And there was talk of, you know, granted, not not reliable sources, but there was talk of Clemson and Florida State potentially looking elsewhere or, or having conversations or something along those lines. And everybody's like, all right, well, they got to pay all the way up until 2036 for, you know, for what they're going to do to the ACC if they're trying to get out of it or they're going to have to wait till then. Uh, so. I do think it's smart what they're what they're discussing right now, having an alliance, having, you know, kind of saying, hey, we're not going to play the SEC during the regular season uh, or, you know, we're going to try to we're going to try to have uh, more of a, a mesh of, you know, playing against teams that are you know that make sense from a geographical standpoint. Uh, I know there's been talk of like or I've seen people putting charts out there of, oh, here's what a, a 20 team. ACC slash Big Ten slash Pac-12 uh, conference would look like, and and it eliminates some teams from each of those conferences. I don't see that happening, not anytime soon at the very least, because it just doesn't make sense from a geographical standpoint. I don't see, you know, a, a North Carolina or an NC State or even a Louisville traveling all the way to go take on, you know, Washington or Washington State or, or Cal or, uh, you know, USC, something along those lines. I mean, could it could it be, you know, a once in a year type of thing to be able to add to the allure of coming to the ACC or add to the allure of going to the Big Ten or the Pac-12? Sure. But I don't see I don't see the need to try to make it some kind of super conference just yet, because it's just not something that's going to make sense for for really any of those conferences this time. I just I hate it for the Big 12 because I think we're about to see the what is now, I guess, the Big Eight kind of dissolve into nothingness. And those teams are mostly going to be scrambling trying to find new homes but uh it's it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch (laughs) maybe not fun is the word there interesting to watch over the next several years to see where all this takes us because it doesn't seem like it's uh it doesn't seem like it's done just yet yeah absolutely not It, it seems that the college football world is evolving and evolving quickly uh, so definitely going to be fun to watch. Corey, thank you so much for jumping on with us to talk football. If you want to learn more about what to expect from the NC State football program or just uh, keep in touch with the program as the season goes on, you can check out packpride.com of the 247 Sports Network. Also give Corey a follow on Twitter at 
R. Corey Smith. That's C-O-R-Y. No E in there. Corey, thank you again for talking football. One last question. I'll get you out of here on a basketball question. It's Louisville. You know I can't not ask basketball. Is Kevin Keats on the hot seat? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I hate to put it that way, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a – it's kind of one of those put-up-or-shut-up type of years. You know, you've got to uh, – they, they've been able to get at or above 500 the last three years. You know, and I think that 2019, 2019-2020 season really hurt him because that team had a chance to make it back to the NCAA tournament. Now a lot of people are looking at this team and going, oh, they haven't made it to the NCAA tournament the last three years. Well, you know, they, they had a chance to be a competitive team in that 2020 season, but uh, that was taken away from them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, look, he's, he's got some good players coming in this year. Uh, they, they recruited really well. I think had the number three team. Uh, in terms of recruiting in the ACC, according to 24-7 Sports, based on the three-player class coming in this year, uh, they've got to be able to put all the pieces together uh, and and finish, you know, figure out a way to, you know, to to put together a team that has some chemistry as well because they lose some some big name players from last year. Uh, DJ Funderburk being a big guy that that has contributed a lot to this team over the last several years, and then Devin Daniels going down with that injury. But uh, guys like Cam Hayes, Jericho Hellams. Uh, Manny Bates has been their, you know, their big defender inside uh, and some new faces uh, like Terquavion Smith is a name to know. That's again, another fun name that we get to, we get to have here. Uh, and Breon Pass, who happens to play point guard. Uh, of course he has a last name pass. So uh, those will be some, some fun guys to watch over the next, next few years for NC state. And that's some, that's some in-state talent that they were able to bring in as well. Awesome. Can't have a football podcast here in Louisville without talking a little bit of basketball. Corey, thank you so much, man. We'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.